Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and I'm in the midst of doing something really spectacular. In the midst of interviewing 500 humans on their credibility. These are powerful people talking about who they are, what they do, how they relate to the world, who they serve, and it is absolutely worth listening to. You're going to get a really great point of view of who they are. You're going to get ideas and aha moments and how you can present yourself better. I've taken three of those interviews, or six to 10 minutes each, taking three of those, combine them to be this episode of Mitchell Levy Presents Aha Moments. Uh, please enjoy. If you like it, click on the like button and subscribe to our channel. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and welcome to this special credibility episode of Thought Leader Life, where we're talking to amazing humans from around the planet about who they are, what they do, essentially their credibility. Today's guest, I'm so excited to say, is David Mirman Scott who is a leading business growth speaker for companies and at conferences worldwide. He is also a marketing strategist, entrepreneur, advisor to emerging companies, VC strategic partner, best-selling author of 10 books, and someone I can call a friend for a long time. David, welcome. Hey, Mitchell. It's uh, awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, absolutely my honor. And, and tell me, what is your CPOP? What is your customer point of pain? It's businesses who want to turn their customers into passionate fans. So in today's world, in terms of where we are and where we're moving and as much noise as are out there in the marketplace, that should be everybody. David, tell me more. So, you know, the whole thing I've noticed is that the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of superficial online communications at a time when we're all hungry, hungry for true human connection. So businesses need to get back to a true human connection. And when they do, that's how they grow fans. So this is, by the way, as much as it's cool to have artificial intelligence and bots in place to deal with some of the mundane stuff, uh, that. That uh, Tell me a little bit more about what does it mean to have true human connection? So here's the thing. I, I've been studying for the last five years this whole idea of fandom. And I started by thinking about my favorite band, The Grateful Dead. I've seen them 75 times. Grateful by Dead. Way, that by itself is impressive. <laughs> and it's like a rabid passion, crazy fan, right? Um, and so, and 790 live concerts of all bands. Um, and I, I do keep a spreadsheet. That's how much of a geek I am. So when I go to a live concert, it's about being with my friends. It's about being a part of a tribe. It's about being in an environment where I could turn to anyone at that show and talk to them as if we've, we're old friends because we're part of the same tribe. And so this idea of what the Grateful Dead and other bands have been able to accomplish, I wanted to figure out, can it apply to all businesses? And the answer is yes. And I, I, I want to share an example, which I love because, um, Mitchell, do you love auto insurance? 
<laughs> Let's see, who does? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So I was speaking with Mikhail Haggerty. He's the CEO of Haggerty Auto Insurance. And he said to me, David, I can't compete the way everybody else does. I don't want to be the low cost provider. I don't want to be the company um, that spends the most money on advertising. I can't compete with geckos and lizards. So I went out and created fans. He does classic car auto insurance. He goes to, uh, he and his team go over to over a hundred classic car events a year. Uh, his, he and his team have over a million followers on their YouTube channel. They have 650,000 members of their Haggerty Drivers Club. Um, and what, what he told me, Mikhail Haggerty, is I didn't have to invent the passion for the car. I just had to tap into that passion. And as a result, I have millions of fans and I'm the biggest classic car insurer in the entire world. Okay. I would say from a storytelling perspective, that was probably one of the best ways you could tell your story to make a point of what you were talking about. So, so thank you. And, and it leads to my next question then is, uh, which I know the answer, but, but I, I my, the audience needs to know, how do you have credibility to do what you do? So five years of studying fandom, it's been a really cool experience. Um, I worked with my daughter, Reiko. She's 26. Um, she's very different generation, different gender, different fandoms than me, also a neuroscientist and currently in her final year of med school. I've written 11 books, three are international bestsellers. One of my books was six months on the Business Week bestseller list. Another one of my books uh, was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. I'm in published in 30 languages. I've sold um, nearly 1 million books. Um, the new book I wrote, Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers into Fans, um, I worked with my friend Tony Robbins, and I speak at all of Tony Robbins' business mastery events. So Tony trusts me to put, on, put me on his stage for two hours, um, where I speak in front of 2,500 people, and Tony wrote the foreword to my new book, Fanocracy. Um, and the idea of being able to speak on Tony's stage, you know, he is, talk about a thought leader master. I mean, everybody on the planet knows Tony Robbins. And he gives me um, two hours of stage time. Um, and I'm reaching his audience. Which, by the way, absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, so I'm reaching his audience of people. And, um, and so I've been able to grow my audience because of my books, because of my speaking, because of my teaching. Nice. Well, it, it actually leads a little bit into that next question is, is how do you get your brand out? Clearly, um, speaking on Tony Robinson's stage is one. Clearly, 11 books, some of them international bestsellers is another. What else do you do? My main thing is giving away content for free. So, you know, going back to The Grateful Dead, um, I learned when I was 15 years old, The Grateful Dead had a different style to how they built fans. Every other band on the ticket, it said no recording allowed. Every other band on the ticket, it said no audio, no video allowed. The Grateful Dead said, sure, why not? Bring your recording gear into the shows. We're cool with that. We'll even give you the best seat in the house for taping right behind the mixing board. We'll give you a power strip to plug into. And the trading of initially cassette tapes and later on MP3 files made The Grateful Dead 
the most popular touring band in history at that time. And so I do the exact same thing. I give away tons of content. I don't have squeeze pages. I don't require people to give me their email addresses. In fact, when I create content, I want people to share it. So I've invented a couple of things that are pretty interesting. I invented a concept called newsjacking. Newsjacking is when you um, look at the breaking news story. And if your expertise is aligned with that breaking news story, you create content to grow your business. Now, what most people who are in our worlds do, Mitchell, and you know this. Well, 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 I was going to say, I've used newsjacking, the term taught it at school. Nice. Many executives. I've, I've, uh, so you know, the idea of newsjacking of your, of, of that concept. Thank yes. you. Thank you for that. My pleasure. But what most people do in our worlds who are cr- trying to create credibility and sell uh, on the back of a piece of, of proprietary information is they put trademarks and ownership over their information. Now, trademark, you can't use this without my permission. I didn't do that with newsjacking. I made it anybody who wants to can share my ideas. If um, Yes, I own the URL. Yes, I wrote the book. Yes, I've delivered speeches all over the world on newsjacking. Yes, if you go to Google, you will find that I am the one who invented this idea of newsjacking. Um, and yes, if you go to the Oxford English Dictionary, you will see that um, it's now list, newsjacking is now listed in the dictionary with my name attached to it. That's, That's cool. pretty awesome. But Very what nice. I didn't do, what I didn't do is say, this is mine. I own it. You can't use it without my permission. I said, anyone who wants to can use it. If you want to create a speech on newsjacking, great, do it. If you want to create a book on newsjacking, please do it. If you want to do anything you like about newsjacking, go right ahead. It's grateful dead style marketing. And I'm doing the exact same thing with this new concept that I've invented called fanocracy. And that's when fans rule. And that's how you can create a business where you develop fans because you create an environment where they're the most important things of all, not your product, not your service, not your ego, your fans. And this idea of fanocracy, I'm letting it go. Yes. I own the URL. Yes. I wrote the book. Yes. I'm giving speeches on it, but anyone else who wants to use it can, Um, it's all available for them to use. Oh, quick last question. What's your favorite social media platform of choice? Um, I'm most active on Twitter and on Twitter, I've, I've, um, you know, another social proofs point, I guess I'm 127,000, um, followers, uh, and I am Twitter. I am DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T. Beautiful. And, and how best, so listen, if you're listening to this, you're a company, you're an individual, you recognize that for what you do, you would much rather have a series of fans who just love what you do. Yeah. Um, David Mirren Scott, read his books, look at his website, see what he's doing. For people who want to reach out to you, David, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so the new book, Fanocracy, available um, print ebook, and I read the audiobook version with my daughter. Um, my website um, for that concept is www.fanocracy.com. Lots of free, no registration information you can get there. Um, and um, another thing I did to make myself um, better known, Mitchell, is um, there are many, many, many David Scotts in the world. So I use my middle name professionally, David Meerman Scott. I am the only David Meerman Scott on the planet. So if you Google my name, you will find me. Beautiful. David, thank you so much for sharing your credibility with us today. My pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. 
Oh, it's, it's my honor. And hey, thanks for joining us. Please click on the like button, share with your friends. We'll see you at the next episode of Thought Leader Life. Take care, everyone. Bye now. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and welcome to this special credibility episode of Thought Leader Life, where we're talking to amazing humans from around the planet about what they do, about who they are, essentially their credibility. Today's guest is Scott Crabtree, who is the chief happiness officer. By the way, how cool of a title is that? He's the chief happiness officer at Happy Brain Science. He helps people apply science to thrive at work. Some of his clients include Nike, DreamWorks, Boeing, Intel, and HP. And I'm so excited to talk to the happiness officer, Scott Crabtree. Happy to be here, Mitchell. Thank you so much. You had to say that, didn't you? Um, <laughs> happy to be here. So, <laughs> Scott, what is your customer point of pain? What is your CPOP? Unhappiness and disengagement at work. So, uh, I, I don't want to say like 90% of the population in the world, but there's probably a pretty big number above 50% of people who are unhappy. Tell me a little bit more. What do you do? So it turns out there's a solid science of happiness and a science of being engaged, feeling committed and excited about going to work and giving your best effort. So when I discovered there was a science, I was absolutely thrilled. I wanted to apply it to my own life. And then I felt like I had discovered something almost miraculous. Like, wait a minute, there's solid peer-reviewed science of choices we can make to boost happiness. And wait a minute, if we choose more happiness, our brains work better. We're more creative, resilient, healthier, live longer. I have to tell people about this. So I do speaking, individual and group coaching. I've got an online course and a card game all of which teach the science of happiness and engagement at work. Hmm. I like it. I, I, I was just trying to think about what, what doesn't fit, but it's, it's actually beautiful. So, all right, Scott, tell me what gives you the credibility to do what you do? I think the number one thing, Mitchell, is that, frankly, I'm trying to give as little of my opinion as possible. I mean, I spent six plus years working as a leader at Intel. And the former CEO of Intel, Andy Grove, had a quote that we often repeated in the meetings and hallways of Intel. That quote was, everyone has an opinion. Some people have data. So I honed this presentation and this work I'm doing inside Intel. When I started presenting the science of being happy and productive at work was the first session I did. I was inside Intel in that data-driven, engineering-driven environment. And so it's like, don't give me a motivational talk. Don't tell me something you just thought of show me the data, right? So I, I had the good fortune to be, to have my content honed in a very critical data-driven environment. And frankly, I trust the scientific process more than I trust anybody's opinion. I mean, I like to think I'm a reasonably smart, experienced guy. I have a degree in cognitive science from Vassar College. I've got decades of experience leading the design and development of video games and other software. So, Sure, I've got a perspective. I've got some experience, but more than I trust my opinion, or even as much as I respect yours, your opinion, or anyone else's opinion, I want some. I want some data. I want some evidence. And so I tell people when I'm presenting, or uh, giving them a card game, or giving them an online course, or coaching them, 
you know, I'll be very clear when I'm speculating and it's my opinion. And I'll also be very clear when I'm citing scientific evidence and I'll point you, point you to the sources. For me, scientists have a lot of credibility. Now, science is not perfect, right? Science is an ongoing conversation and sometimes science can get things wrong. But I think people's opinions are wrong more often than the scientific process is wrong. So I frankly borrow credibility from well-respected scientists and I say, look, you don't have to trust me on this. Here's the source. Here's the journal article. If you want to dive in and hear more about the methodology and how we know that actually smiling does produce happiness and relationships is a key to happiness, here are the sources. By the way, you just had David Meerman Scott as a guest earlier, and he invented the term newsjacking. And uh-huh. You just sort of gave me the idea about credibility jacking. Nice, uh-huh. nice, nice <laughs> idea. Good, good thought. Uh, the other thing I thought I'd mention is, is um, you've touched a number of lives in your speaking and consulting and, and stuff you've been doing. How many, how many people have you touched so far? Oh, I have been very fortunate to have a wonderful uh, set of audiences through the years. So I've been doing this about eight years full time. It's almost eight years ago today that I uh, resigned Intel to found Happy Brain Science. And in those eight years, I've touched, it's a guesstimate, but it's an accurate guesstimate based on data. Uh, I've touched about 20,000 lives. And, uh, and that's just a wonderful feeling to have people say, hey, I saw you years ago, and I still practice this thing about shutting down my email so I can get into flow or oh other God. tips That's I so share. Cool. That's so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm having fun. <laughs> so how do you go about sharing that credibility? How do other people get to see you? Kind of, What's your marketing plan? Yeah, good question. So I'm on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm I'm largely a speaker and the consensus among speakers like me is it's all LinkedIn. You got to go LinkedIn. LinkedIn's where the professionals are, right? And that's true. And I'm active on LinkedIn, but posting on LinkedIn and to a lesser extent, Facebook, it feels a little heavy to me, Mitchell. Like, I got to get this right. I got to be sure this is, is this read right? Is this okay? And so the third social media platform where I'm actually probably the most active is Twitter. And that's because it feels light to me. It just feels sort of like a cocktail party, right? So so I can read an interesting article and say, I'm going to share this on Twitter. Or, hey, I need permission from this game company to show a picture of their game in this in this book I'm going to write. So I'll just tweet them and ask, or I wonder which book title would be better. I'm going to tweet people out. So it just feels light and conversational <laughs> at the risk of discouraging people about Twitter. I know that under 10% of my followers are going to see anything I say on Twitter. <laughs> so it just kind of frees me up to be more conversational, more human, more natural. And then beyond that, I, I, send out a monthly newsletter with science-based tips on happiness and employee engagement. And on my site, I, I post a list of scientific sources for my card game, for example. So some those are some of the ways that I try to market and show credibility online. I got it. I appreciate it. And I, I just, uh, I, I want to say to you, if you're, if you're looking at this, if, if you have uh if you have an issue, you're just not happy at work or you're managing people who are not happy at work, there is a science, there is an approach, there is a methodology, there's a person who can help you. And that's Scott Crabtree. And Scott, how best can people reach out to you? 
Well, probably the best way is on one of those social media platforms that I mentioned or through my site, happybrainscience.com. I love hearing from people. I love hearing questions, challenges. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this to make people's lives better, right? I've been miserable at work. I've worked with too many people who've been miserable or disengaged at work. And to be totally candid with you and your audience, I've had some family members who have suffered a lot through the years. And you know, sometimes we can't help our own family that much, but uh, but we can help people not end up like some very unhappy family members of mine. So I would love to hear from anyone and, and get a chance to help them. Oh, beautiful. Scott, thanks for sharing your credibility with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Mitchell. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. And by the way, you know who you are if you're not happy or managing somebody not happy. So definitely reach out to Scott. Uh, Click on the like button, share with your friends, and we'll look forward to seeing you at the next episode of Thought Leader Live. Take care, everyone. Bye now. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and welcome to this special credibility episode of Thought Leader Life, where we're talking to amazing humans from around the planet about who they are, what they do, in essence, their credibility. Today's guest is Jennifer J. Fondreve. I think I actually got that one. Uh, who is the founder and chief humanity officer of Day One Ready. She helps forward-thinking business leaders, owners, and C-suite executives on how to prepare for the human capital challenges of M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, I'm very excited to have the chance to spend time with you in the green room, and welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. And by the way, it took me years to figure out how to pronounce my name as well, so don't worry. (laughs) Oh, isn't that lovely? Um, so, so tell me, what is what is your CPOP? What is the customer point of pain you serve? Well, it's the the people challenges of mergers and acquisitions, and I and I do it for small mid market companies to Fortune five hundred. You know, I was uh, uh, on the board of directors of a public company for nine years. We did a number of M and A, and I don't think we ever focused directly like sometimes we did it for technology sometimes we did it for people sometimes we did it for clients i don't think we ever did the focus that you're talking about so tell me more what do you do and i guess maybe why do you do it why is it important well uh, i actually let's start there I, the reason why i do it is because i went through three multi-billion dollar acquisition experiences and with each one i just saw how they people challenges, the integration of cultures, the lack of understanding what the vision and mission was and why we were going in the direction we were going. And I say this as an executive. I saw it happen three separate times. And I thought by the third one, I got tired of saying, there's got to be a better way through M&A. So I decided to write a, a book on how to survive it and had so many people say exactly what you just said. Not enough people focus on this. We need more help in this area. You should consult companies. And that really is what, what spawned um, what I do today. Beautiful. And, and so what do you do? How do you help? So um, in a couple of different ways. From a, a consulting standpoint, I'll help Fortune 500 or mid-market companies be smarter when they're thinking about M&A, how to think about the people aspect of it. Everything from how to communicate the vision, the mission, the values in a way that galvanizes your workforce to really get behind it. Um, Defining even what the desired future state is. 
oftentimes what happens, and it sounds like you've experienced it too, the executives of the two companies aren't aligned. They don't have a similar vision on where they're going and how they're going to get there. And so I'll help executives get that alignment and then communicate it in a way that the workforce gets excited and understands the role that they play in it. Um, I say that as a former marketing executive, the communications piece. Um, I think everyone knows, oh, you got to communicate, but how you communicate and the cadence around it is absolutely critical. So I help in the alignment and the communication piece of it. I got it. That makes sense. And you sort of said it before, but how do you have credibility to do what you do? Well, after you go through three of them, um, you see the warts and the pain. And uh, for me, what was the the most difficult in each of those? And and I was at, you know, I, I recognize the the bigger the billions, the bigger the bloodbath. So I, it's not consistent throughout, but I felt that there were opportunities to help companies be smarter and the executives in them be smarter about how they rolled out the uh, the vision and mission in a way that people could get behind it and really understand it. So I use my own experience and bring that to executives. Um, and an example of a technique that I use is a pre-mortem, right? So that is essentially, we know what a post-mortem is, right? When the when the patient dies and you try and figure out why they died, um, a pre-mortem is you've made the decision, now figure out all the ways it'll go wrong. And oftentimes what happens in an M&A is that the, the deal is the focus and getting the deal done is the focus. So I say, step back, okay? Assume the deal is done. Now, what are all the ways your talent could leave? Your co- competition comes in and, and poaches people. Clients leave because they don't understand where you're going and what you're doing. And you work through all of that so you have a plan in place. And all of those pieces have people challenges associated with them, right? The culture um, integration issue is the one that tends to get the most attention. But there's so many different aspects of M&A where if your people aren't behind it and understanding where they're going and how they can contribute, it undermines the, the success of the deal. And, and that's, you don't need me to say that, um, Harvard, McKinsey have done studies for the last decade that demonstrate 70 to 90% of M&A fail. Um, and so I'm one, one company, one executive, one workforce at a time trying to mitigate the risk of, of that failure rate. Got it. That was actually elegantly said. So thank you. Um, how do you go about sharing your credibility? I, what's your, what's your marketing plan? How do people get to see you? Well, a couple of different ways. And, and, and Mitchell, what's so funny is I, I would I would confess I wasn't planning to do this. I was a marketing executive. Um, all I was planning to do initially was to write a book, a survivor's handbook. I wanted to bring greater transparency to what can be a really soul-sucking experience. People lose their way. Um, and and very talented people start to doubt their value. And I and I felt that that could be that could be mitigated if people just had greater transparency on what to expect and how to work through it. And so all I was going to do was write a book, but um, I had enough. I interviewed probably about 60 executives, CEOs, CFOs, private equity, HR leaders. And as I was writing and interviewing, they would consistently say, well, what are you doing besides the book? You got it. You could really get out there and help people. And, and I would always joke and say, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it is to write a book? I was just going to write the book. <laughs> um, 
but you know, to your question about uh, how do I help, it's through through speaking and consulting. Um, what's what's been uh, a great aspect of the book is how many people in the speaking have said, "I'm so glad you're out there talking about this." No one is talking about this, and it brings attention to a pain point that so many of us have, and we don't have solutions for it. We don't know how to address it. We just kind of try and survive through it. So a big piece of, of what I try and do is just bring awareness and attention to this pain point so that more people are focused on how to solve it before the pain hits, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And and on social media, where do, where do you spend your energy? Uh, predominantly LinkedIn. I uh, have done a number of articles on LinkedIn. Uh, I've contributed to, to different publications, HBR, um, Forbes. For me, a lot of the... Um, awareness builders are educating people that there is upside. There can be a positive aspect of M&A. And so I'm trying to, to highlight that in every way possible. And LinkedIn has been a great platform for that because you have so many people in the business community looking um, for answers, whether it's CEOs or HR leaders. Uh, it's been a great platform for me. Uh, I, I like it. I like it a lot. So listen, if, if you're listening to this, and you're in the C-suite, you're sitting on the board, you've, you've, you've been part of many uh, M&A, or, or maybe you haven't yet, and all of a sudden this, this sort of resonates with you, wait, we got to make sure that people, the culture, everything merges, we don't blow up on those sort of things, and trust me, I've seen many things that don't work for many different reasons, you're going to want to reach out to Jennifer J. Fondreve. Jennifer, how best can people reach out to you? <laughs> well, that first and foremost, jenniferjfondreve.com is my website. Uh, Day One Ready is is my company, so you can find me through Day One Ready, but the really the simplest way is jenniferjfondreve.com or um, my email address, which is jennifer at jenniferjfondreve.com. And those, those really, uh, I would say the, the website in particular, there's, there's a lot of um, tools and techniques I provide. So it gives you not only uh, a view on, on some of the pain points and solutions, but equally a way for you to understand how I approach it and how I've helped companies solve for the pain points. Got it. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing your credibility with us today. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And, and by the way, guys, you know who you are, so you should definitely reach out. And uh, while you're at it, click on the like button, share with your friends, and we'll see you at the next episode of Thought Leader Life. Take care, everyone. Bye now. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. To learn more about Thought Leader Life, go to thoughtleaderlife.com. And to learn more about creating and sharing your AHA moments, go to ahathat.com slash author where you can also find a link to book a strategy call. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.